Where does the term podcast come from? When did that start? Do you guys know the origin of that? I don't know. Broadcast and then doing it from your pod. That's the thing. It's not the cast I'm yeah. asking about. It's more the pod. What's the well, pod is like your home. Is that what they say? I believe so. If you're, that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If you're a P, a pod is your home. Have we called? Do we call? <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> P pod. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought maybe one of us would know that. Yeah. We're I feel like we should know that. We should. We've gotten involved in something that we don't <laughs> even know where it started. Um, to me, it's, yeah, because like, it started as it started as vlogs, vlogs, video blogs. Right. That yeah. I get. Yeah. Wait, but, jam. but how did blogs start? We just learned that. How did blogs week. start? Were you just talking about it? No. No. What's the B stand what for in blog? If the V stands for video, the B must stand for something. Um, I don't know. A log. It's literally a website we, log, but somehow it got to a web log. A web log. Yeah. But so it just, they took off the W E. So, so blog. Blog. Yeah. yeah. Web, web blog. Blog. Geniuses. <laughs> we just, didn't have time to say web. Everything's getting shorter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went from movies, lazier and lazier, to TV as a shows, yeah. to YouTube clips, to TikTok clips. Yeah. Everything's yeah. shorter. Yeah. But pod, you believe that. Do you know people, Chad, that say something like, where is your pod? <laughs> <laughs> like, where's my pod? Where's your Past? pad? I've heard pad. That's like a 70s phrase. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going back to my pad. Going back to the pad. Yeah. Or, or my lair. There's the pad. If I'm yeah. A, yeah, I don't, a villain. I'm not confusing it with pad. It's just... Like, no, I don't think you are. I, I, I'm just wanting... You've, from what I recall, without, I'm trying so hard to not go to Google right now. No, I know. This no, could be solved in 30 what, seconds. From what I recall... Why are we using our brains? It's, yeah. It's broadcast is <laughs> like the have this big corporate <laughs> sure. radio... Right, the broadcast... Uh, yeah, yeah, prod, you know, product for people. And then here's a product that you can just get a tiny microphone. Yeah. Hook it up to your computer with a USB and get going. And it's your, your Pod. podcast. It's so maybe not, like not a, a big, it's more organic. And so let's go back like to peas. space, like peas in a pot. <laughs> exactly. So space, you got yourself a big spaceship Yeah, and then an escape pod pod. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, you said, yeah, a pod is another word for home yeah. and, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. This is saying it's a smashing together of iPod and broadcast. Well, I was completely wrong. <laughs> okay. So it actually does have Apple origins. Escape pod makes a lot more sense to me. Trace to the Guardian columnist and BBC journalist Ben Hammersley, who coined it in early February 2004 while okay. writing an article for the Guardian newspaper. So this is... It's Apple pod. Wow. wow. IPod. For some reason, I thought podcasting was maybe before... The iPod. Well, it but it probably it was, be. but the phrase podcast. Got it. Probably yeah, getting applied to it because then the Apple Store, you know, started yeah. releasing podcasts and so yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Boy oh boy. <laughs> Just I love. I was like, why pod? And you're like home. Home. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. What planet are you from? <laughs> <laughs> on the planet Zork. Wait, I, just I, I, I live in this, Sector 7 in my pod. I come on this pod to get bodied every time. <laughs> <The> term, <laughs> you said you on Sunday it was your favorite time of the week. Yeah, well. Did uh, you lie I to have, the church? I have to be excited. It's announcements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, you are not reflecting what your shirt says right now, my friend. <laughs> I'm so grateful. You're not great. You are ungrateful. <laughs> no, I was just 
No, you're not getting beat up. I just loved the... It's uh, just the script that was handed to him. The assured nature. You're announcing the atrium this week. This is yeah. what you're going to say. Yeah. It's your I've favorite been, time of the week. I've been appointed the scruffy comic relief. No. 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 So you're saying Neil's forced you to grow that mustache as part of your character development. I think it was like, yeah, I think he didn't... Yeah, he manipulated me, <laughs> and I never knew it was. For small. he knows the plans he has for you. Rachel said to me the other day, "I feel like I'd be in better shape if I wasn't with you." <laughs> now, now you're the victim. Here. And I'm saying to her, "I don't recall putting one of those donuts in your mouth." Oh man, <laughs> so that's how I went at home. So, anyways, we don't live in the same pod anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. sleep in separate pods. I sleep in separate. <laughs> You sleep in separate pods, which is where you cast. Oh, man. <laughs> is that how you met Liz? Come back to my pod. To the pod. <laughs> that, sh- that show, Blind Date. They, Love they, is Blind? Love is Blind. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. They, they date in the pod. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, and they can't yeah. see each other. Yeah. We haven't yeah. seen that. We've seen it on uh, Netflix advertised, but yeah, we haven't gotten into into that one. Did you ever get into the reality? (laughs) Thanks. Don't get into it. I wasn't concerned. I was disappointing. (laughs) Hey, Slicko, man. (laughs) I'm too old for that. I saw that they had uh, the Golden Bachelor. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. For, uh, I think. Well, I saw it advertised. Yeah. yeah. The the people looked older than me. Yeah. I think they're in their, their 50s. Yeah. If not older. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had a brief stint when it first came out. 100 years ago where the bachelor was like interesting then i watched it and thought well i don't watch this anymore <laughs> but it was interesting man you can get sucked into those reality did shows. the golden bachelor do well yeah i don't know yeah i don't know they never called me back yeah he <laughs> <laughs> <It> went again <laughs> that's right <laughs> try out that's it yeah wow uh the guy anyway was, handsome. was he he was a real handsome guy was he okay i didn't notice i just saw the small thumbnail um, Survivor came out on Netflix, and that's what we've been into, which I haven't been into since I was a kid. I've never watched Survivor. And Liz asked me every time we put it on, how many seasons or how many years is this gone? Because she goes by the seasons. Yeah. Like, Man, this has been... Surviving. Surviving for this long? Yeah. And I'm like, no, they do two a year, right? And this, I think The Bachelor and... I think what they do, this is The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Okay. Instead, right? I and think so, yeah. Two I think, seasons yeah. a year. Okay. I'm like, no, they do at least two seasons a year. Of Survivor? Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Survivor? Mm-mm. No. No. I've never seen it. What do they... Uh, oh, yeah, Survive? I'm, I'm guessing based <laughs> on the name. Correct. What do they, they throw you in the woods or something? On an island. Oh, it's and, on an island. Okay. Yeah. And you can... Uh, I mean, obviously, you have to create alliances, and then you've got to play the game and outlast people. So sometimes you got to make the decision to blindside somebody. Is the goal just to stay alive and healthy? or you... <laughs> That's the first and foremost goal. Okay. But no, the goal is to win a million dollars. Okay. And, and you, That's a lot of you money. You make it to the final three, and then the jury, uh, they decide. So like the last half of people who are voted off, they decide who of the three was the survivor who mm. played the best game. Okay. Yeah. That sounds interesting. It's a good time. You probably don't have to go all the way back to season one if you're no. going to watch it. And season one would be horrible. Would it? To, yeah, just the, the, graphics. the viewing quality. The <laughs> graphics. <laughs> the <laughs> graphics bad. <laughs> yeah. Was it black and white then? <laughs> it's right. almost black and white. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you watch any 
reality TV? My survival show is called Alone. Mm, um, yeah. It's it's about real survival. <laughs> no wow. camera crews. That's heavy. There's no. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's no. Uh, it's about real survival. I no think he treats crew. you worse than I do. <laughs> yeah. I didn't invent Survivor. I just. <laughs> well, no. Actually, there was a show. A show came out last year that was kind of a, a blend. There's a show that came out this past year that's a blend of Alone and kind of Survivor. So, what channel is this on, or is it Alone? A Alone thing? is on. Uh, I think it's originally on the History Channel. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like. But a now it's on thing. Hulu and Netflix. And uh, but there's a show that came out this last year that was a blend of Alone and Survivor. So like they were out there surviving on the land with just their primitive equipment, but they were in teams of three and there was some, they could get to each other if they tried. Yeah. And then they could like even sabotage each other if they chose to. So it was basically a question of your morals. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to sacrifice to win? Mm. And it got pretty ugly. Would you guys ever want to do a show like that where you have oh, yeah. to survive? Would you really? Oh, yeah. You think you could? Well, I mean, I couldn't, no. I'd have to train and learn a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, I wouldn't be prepared for it, but I would enjoy trying. Yeah. Would you want to survive, Chad? I think so. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Like, I mean, I would do, I would do alone. Experience. I'm not talking, I, I don't know if I'd do Survivor, like in that format. Because you hate it. I'm talking, I've never seen it. <laughs> Uh, but alone, Obviously like you just you try like to get, you go out and you, it's all these people, they're professional, yeah. like uh, primitive, you know, survivalists. Like this is what they do for, usually what they do I, for is a that a, you apply for that online, you get a, mm -hmm. you get a degree in uh, survival from a college. What makes them I'm professional? I'm sure you could at yeah. some point. It's probably more of a certification. I'm guessing there's different certifications you can get. Um, and why do you get that? To do a show like this? Cause, or is it just, you're just afraid? Well, a of lot everything. of them just are teaching it. Like they're, you know, they're doing it to teach out, like they'll work for national parks. Okay. And it's part of enrichment programs. Oh. Some people have day jobs and then they just on the weekends you survive. Know, they live, they, survive. they live in the woods <laughs> on the weekends. Yeah. They survive on the weekends. Yeah. It's just interest them. You know, it's just, yeah. Their, their hobby they've taken to an extreme. I, yeah. I don't think I would make it. I'm not saying I would make it. I just said I, I would try it. I, think, yeah, I, think. I wish the audience saw your face on that one. There's one guy in alone that <laughs> he I made it. it. <laughs> I, I think I would die. There's one guy. Do they, like, they don't let people die in the shows, right? That's no. really bad for well, I mean, on alone, you theoretically could die. Really? Like if you, because you have no camera crew, you're filming yourself. Oh. So if you fall and hit your head or a bear attacks you, in theory, you're alone. You're alone. Yeah, but they do they do have emergency radio. So when you tap out, you have to call them. And 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 you know, in the case of emergency, you you could call if you're bleeding to death. Yeah, but should an accident happen, yeah, you theoretically could die. Mm -hmm. There's one guy that made it 45 minutes. That would be me. Like I'm not I, like I'm not kidding. And what happened to him? He 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 got. They drop you off by either boat or helicopter, depending on your site. They dropped the man off. He had his 10 items, and he saw. A uh, bear scat. A bear scat? <laughs> scat. Bear scat. Bear poop. Oh. 
He's so bear skedaddle. They play jazz now? This guy saw a bear singing jazz and he left? How long was he dehydrated? He was at Chuck E. Cheese. He was dehydrated I'd pay big money to see a bear scat. So he saw this bear. Why did you say scat? Is that? That's what it's called. That's the that's the that's the oh that's what it's called in the woods. <laughs> we're, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> we're not in the woods. We're in a professional podcast. I, I just to admitted it, to you that I would die. Classy here. My response seemed classy. I thought a bear was doing jazz. <laughs> Uh, see, this is why I wouldn't make it. So he saw bear droppings. So they knew going in like the area that they're going to be dropped off in, like the region they're going to be surviving in. And it's obviously full of bears. Reality hit him. Like, Reality must have hit him. Yeah. And he saw the bear poop and he's like, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm like, there's like, this is not worth it. Yeah. And like he like called almost immediately. Like the boat probably wasn't even that far away. Wow. The quickest tap out ever. It yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like. The level of unpreparedness. Because <laughs> there's like hundreds of people that probably lost out on that chance to do what he got to do. He got picked one of the 10. Yeah. And then after 45 minutes, like, there's bear poop here. Like, there's, that means there's bears. And everyone else is like, of course there is. That, yeah. Like, they've been telling you that for leading into this. Well, I bet the waivers you sign oh, yeah. are just endless. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I was a... I'm sure. Whew. Usually, actually, what usually happens is um, most of the time they don't get pulled, or they a lot of times they don't tap out, but they'll be pulled for medical reasons. So oh, okay. they have regular medical checks. They'll come and, and check them, and that's the only contact they have with people is these medical checks. And a lot of times they'll they'll pull them because their weight's too low or because their heart rate's off or for different reasons. And then they don't have a choice. They, they get medically extracted is what it's called. I got to tell you, I can't even mow the grass without getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. Oh, man. So. <laughs> and they just start scatting. <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't think I'd make it out there. I got that sweet mosquito blood. <laughs> right now, sweet mosquito blood for the podcast title or is a bear scat. <laughs> It's sweet mosquito blood for sure. <laughs> oh, man. That's the best we've ever had. There, are, there is some science now <laughs> saying that uh, mosquitoes are attracted to certain certain blood. Yeah, yes. and I think it's mine. It's O positive. It's mine as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have but also, But also blood that is like higher in cholesterol. Really? Yeah. I got great cholesterol. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the type for sure. Just under 600. <laughs> is that good? I'm kidding. I don't know. No, yeah, that's not good. I can't put you out there. <laughs> no, I'm not going in the woods. I don't think they'd let me. I'd get medically, I'd get medically evacuated at the application process. I would. You yeah. have to remove you from this application. <laughs> You're being medically evacuated. Hyperventilating. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> you're dehydrated in answering our emails, sir. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to decline your application. I did. Uh, I did apply for Fear Factor. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Whoa. When it first came out, I was in my early 20s. How? Uh, what? You're not even willing to. You're talking about mosquitoes and you want to go on Fear Factor. Uh, maybe in, in my early 20s, <laughs> I was invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys didn't know me then. It was. A, it was 40. 45 almost. Yeah. And uh, I'm afraid of everything. 
now I would just, if they had a show called Fear, I would apply and I'd win. Yeah, I would win because they'd be like, look at this. I'd be like, no. Uh, Sweet mosquito blood over there. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to do a Fear Factor and then, uh, yeah, a Bachelor as well. When at first I was a single man. And when it came out and turned out like in the early bachelors, you had to have some wealth and uh, I don't think the one bedroom like Firestone apartment in yeah, Lorraine yeah. was going to bode well for the show. <laughs> then they came out with the show uh, where the person pretended to be a millionaire average Joe, mm. I think it was. And I was like, that's for me. <laughs> Sign me up. That's for me. I got nothing. Fear factor. The economy of game shows back then was Crazy different. That was only it for was fifty grand, fifty thousand dollars, and you got to fifty grand. <laughs> I don't know. Back back then, it seemed like a lot of money. It did, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, it's still a lot of money, but it goes goes quick. It hit with, me. Uh, with, yeah. It's uh, like one year of college at some places. It, it exactly. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For for sure. It hit me when years later, <clears throat> people were opening briefcases for a million. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want that one. <laughs> oh yeah, deal or no deal. Deal or no deal. Yeah, yeah that was Howie a big Mandel. thing. Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thought would probably say yes to that. <laughs> it seemed like a dumb question. <laughs> I think everybody would be like I do. I would like to be a millionaire. Bob and I were driving the other day um to pick up my car. I had some work done on my car and we passed this house that was just massive. And it was, he's like, if you had millions of dollars, do you think you could spend that kind of money on a house? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> big time. <laughs> I think he was appalled by that. Yeah. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. I go, as long as, you know, if I was doing what I was, you know, supposed to do for, for the Lord. And, you know, it's all about generosity. It's not about amounts and things like that. And then I went on to say, I, I enjoy architecture. I've, you know, the some of the YouTube channels that I subscribe to are architectural housing type of channels and <clears throat> I was like yeah I enjoy houses in and cars I find that type of architecture and structure you know interesting and the the mechanics of cars is one of the things that Henry and I have in common is we like to watch you know car reviews and things like that and uh I think he was uh he was appalled at that <laughs> I think so I disappointed him greatly no he wasn't appalled at that <laughs> he was just I think he was like what really I'm like yeah like, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't uh, spend an ex exorbitant amount on right. a home, but I would enjoy this, you know, having a house like built and, you know, some of that, especially like backyard landscaping and stuff like that. And I find all that pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's all I wanted <laughs> to say about How do you submit questions? About that. <laughs> uh, anything else that we need to go over today? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the atrium. This is a Hope Christian Church podcast. My name is Neil. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope. You are. My name is Chad. I'm the student pastor here at Hope. I'm the adult pastor. My name is Mark. This is episode number 75. 75. Introverted, but willing <coughs> to discuss theology. Mm. That's Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, the mug. Mm -hmm. That's a good-sized mug. It's a good-sized mug for an introvert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That was bought for you? Yeah, it was a gift. I don't, buy, I don't buy mugs. No? Mugs are a contentious point in my house. Okay. You, that's right. Yeah. I hide mugs in my house. Because you're afraid Brandy's going to get rid of them? No, because, uh, no, the opposite. It's the opposite. Oh, I hide them. She's the collector. Oh, like, our, our cabinet filled, that's and right. then they kept coming in, <clears throat> and coming in, and, and we had nowhere to put them, so I'm, I like, stashed them 
in the cabinets you can't reach. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> but that, I do like mugs, and I actually like them as gifts. We just have so many. I feel like you could eat soup out of that. Yeah, this is a this is an oversized mug. <laughs> I'm trying trying to figure out if Chad is just constantly <laughs> making fun of me in his head. <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like I'm starting to get to that age where I'm like, oh, the young kid thinks I'm funny, and I'm like, no, he's laughing at me. He's not laughing at because of it because he of the brought, content. He brought up the mug. Don't overthink it. Yeah, don't overthink <laughs> it. Just great one-liners today. <laughs> well, I mean, when you that see mug. that, aren't you like a good amount of soup could fit in there? Yeah, it's just funny because you're like, all right, transition. Looks like you could eat soup out of that. Once you get in your forties, soup becomes a lot more important to you. I got to be honest. It's yeah. I got it. Got yeah. The older you get, the more important soup becomes. A lot to look forward to. Yeah, it's true. Well, you're not even forty yet. Ooh, this will almost air there. on your 40th birthday. Yeah, Lord willing. Yeah. Lord willing, it'll air, or Lord willing, you'll be turned 40, or just all of it. Both. Yeah. Well, yeah, by the time uh, the uh, Atrium uh, audience is listening to this, Mark will be well into his 40s. <laughs> you'll have rounded your 40th year, and you're actually living, you're living yeah. in that 41st. Do you know what time of day you were born? I've asked you this before, but... I want to make sure I, I text you at the right time. I, I don't. I don't know when, what how many day I was born. <laughs> I want to give a premature 40th if you, at 11 <laughs> o'clock if you didn't come out. Oh, I'm already 30. getting happy birthday. So. <clears throat> All right. Okay. I got one today. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's nice that people are acknowledging that. Yeah. Uh, well, today we're going to keep going uh, on the... We had a, a very faithful listener submit seven questions uh, about uh, Calvinism or what they call a uh, list of grievances for Calvinism. <clears throat> and this... The Doctrines this, of Grace. The Doctrines, the Doctrines of, of Grace. Says, yeah, Mar- right. yeah, and I think uh, what's going on uh, with this are these are just common arguments that this particular listener has heard against uh, Calvinism and is uh, perhaps uh, walking through some of those waters now as to, you know, uh, what, let's say, what camp... Uh, they want to uh, set up shop in, and I thought it'd be good to yeah. to start off by uh, saying because we've been on this. This is what week three of this. That uh, you don't necessarily need to set up camp and or or set up shop in either camp. You know specifically, I think there are things that you can take from <clears throat> lots of different. We'll say uh, categories of belief systems, um, and. You know, I don't think you have to necessarily subscribe to to one or the other. I think the most important thing is that you subscribe to the whole of God's word. And I understand that, you know, <coughs> Jacob, Arminius, our, our and, uh, you know, Calvin were, were, were men. And they uh, did what they thought was right and uh, did their best to attach scripture to it. But one of the things that I've noticed uh, over the years just in my own faith is nothing is that clean and tight and neat that there's <clears throat> if you could and mark used this term last week if you could box you, you know people think that you know calvinism boxes god in and it, it, it all creates boundaries some boundaries and so the most important thing is that you subscribe to the whole of scripture and that's just a as our listeners listen to week three of us going through this and particularly today <clears throat> the questions that we have today are I might say some things that people don't like <laughs> today. Uh, 
and some things that people strongly disagree with, and it's okay. You know, even if, uh, you know, Pastor Chad and Pastor Mark and I don't line up fully on some of these uh, things, that's okay. There's, there's, there's some, there's grace. Um, if you're completely violating scripture, you know, certainly there's, there's no grace for that. We want to make sure that we honor the word of the Lord, but, um, when it comes to things like free will, which we'll talk about today, these can get um, pretty. These can become very challenging topics for people to to discuss uh, in a very non-emotional way. People get very passionate about these things, and so yeah, just as our listeners and uh, viewers watch this and, and hear us dig through this today, and even to the listener who wrote these questions, um, don't feel this pressure to land in one specific category. The most important thing is that we are subscribed to God's Word and that uh, the, the truth of it. And there's certainly a truth that can be had uh, from uh, you know these, these arguments. But today we're going to dig in and kind of answer these two questions, and we'll split them up into two because they're a little bit different. <clears throat> so, Chad, why don't you start, off, start us off? We get to... Let me say one quick thing from Sunday. <clears throat> Oh my, I'm so sorry. I just, well, I don't need to say anything. I just want to, I, I need to make one point of clarification because I uh, confuse some people. Okay. This is where I'm going to address it. Um, okay. I've had, I've had actually a few people reach out to me about this. Uh, I said, uh, I mentioned the movie Superman from 1978. Mm. And I said, I saw it when I was 11 <clears throat> and people thought I saw it in 1978 when I was 11 mm. and it confused a lot of people. So when I said 1978, I was trying to point out which Superman I was talking about, and then I saw it later when it was when I was 11. Mm. All right, that's all I needed to clear up. Boy, I gotta tell you that that's the most feedback I got I was from borderline blasphemous. One person's like, "So you're like 56?" I was like, "No, I no, I wasn't clear." Wow. <laughs> Are you Chad's dad? <laughs> <laughs> Are you Chad's? <laughs> Getting one of those again. Is that uh, hurtful to hear that they thought you could be 50s? <laughs> no, because they were confused. Okay, they yeah. were like, "Something's not adding up." Yeah. And and oh, boy. and I had a few people say like, "I they thought that's what I was saying." I didn't see any movies when they were new. Like I, I never went to the theater. Or in 1978, I didn't see a single movie in 1978. You did not, because I was born six years later. Even I didn't right. see a movie in 1978. <laughs> uh, people mean well. I gave the I gave the movie <laughs> date because that's the because there's other Superman movies and that's the one I was talking about. The first one, anyway. So. This has been. I think this podcast is going to be interesting. I just told everybody I want a giant house. That's not true. <laughs> For market chatter hot on the inside. I'm just saying if I had a billion dollars, I probably would move. I forgot about it. I'd want to pull. Oh, this is gonna come back. All all of this podcast is gonna come back to bite me. Well, like I said, Lord willing, it will be released. It is so interesting though, like that happens. Like you 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 get this call from me on Wednesday and it's like, Hey man, I'm sick. Can you do this? And without hesitation, Mark's like, Yes. Like just none. And I'm just so thankful for for you and for your willingness to to dig in and to but that's a lot of work you put all that together <laughs> you get up there you present a beautiful message you got to do this deacon announcement you weren't prepared to do that's what i was going to do you're preaching a sermon you weren't prepared to do about a topic you certainly know and it is your wheelhouse like you said on sunday but you put it together this ark the holy spirits and all of it and then people come up and they're like you know I don't think you were 11 in 1978. 
It's this, come on, you folks. confused me, Mark. <laughs> like, let's just a little bit of grace here. Oh, I'm gonna get feedback from that too, but yeah, I think sometimes we just need to. And this is what I've told people before. Like, you know, when it comes to sermons, when it comes to pockets, sit in it for a minute. Yeah. Let's pray about it. And then shoot an email. Then shoot an email yeah. into Microsoft Word. <laughs> then wait two I more days. I wasn't really upset about oh, it. Oh, I, I, like, I know. I know. It just, I, because I was unclear. I totally got why people misunderstood that. I understand. Um, yeah. And people are free to, to do whatever they want. And again, yeah. somebody, somebody's going to not like this, but the things that we choose to highlight sometimes yeah. are just so interesting <laughs> to me. You know, that's one of the been one of the most shocking things over the last nine years is you sit there and you just, you, you do everything you can, you work as hard as you can. And it's like these little yeah. things people will just highlight. And it's like, yeah. do we really need to, to do that? You know, let's focus more, be uh, more on encouragement. I was very sick last week. So I'm wondering if I'm still dehydrated. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Yeah. You practically, we're on Survivor. <laughs> it felt like it. It was rough, man. It was rough. Practically. All right. Ready? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, before I read it, no, I had a thought. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just kidding. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know literally. So no, did you lose your thought? I'm so no, sorry. No, I didn't lose my thought. I, okay. I had a transition, but I... I I can usually dig myself out, but <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I was going to throw back to what you just said, but no. What are you thinking? Um, well, you said, I thought it was a really good thought to say, like, nothing's really clean and tight and perfect. Yeah. And both these sides, both the, the guys, the figureheads we're looking at, Calvin and Arminius, were imperfect human beings as well, trying their best at, tr um, you know, really defining what they thought scripture was saying about these about the doctrines of grace. Um, now, it seems like if you study both those guys more, the followers of those guys grabbed a hold of certain things that they may or may not have said, and then went, no, that's what he meant. That's what he said. Yeah, Tulip so, came after, if I'm remembering this, Tulip came after Calvin. The, the Council of Dort. The doctrines, I mean, the 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 acronym TULIP is only about 100 years old. Right. But the, the They were a rebuttal to what uh, the they, Arminian side was was teaching. Yeah. It's not like Calvin came up with these well, they, five tenets. Well, what he what he said was being taught. Right. And so Arminian was actually a response to that. A response to that. And then the TULIP and was a rebuttal to... The rebuttal to the, the response. response. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thank and this right. is also, I guess, another point, uh, like we talked about last week about... Um, the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, speaking through for God and all of that and mm -hmm. false teachers and false prophets. And there's a difference there, you know, to say that, cause if you're like I said last week, if you're wrong once you're a false teacher right? and that's a different, um, context. Yeah. That's if you're prophesying, saying you're speaking for God and you're, you're saying something that's going to happen or going to take place. And then if that doesn't happen and take place, then you're, you're a false teacher because yeah, there's, you know, we're teaching and interpreting scripture and we're doing it to the best of our ability. Yeah. But if we don't agree on something, that means one of us is wrong, if not both of us. Because yeah. the nature of truth is that there is a there is a correct answer. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, like we're all wrong somewhere. Yeah. But that doesn't make us all false teachers. All that to say, I'm the one probably at this table most in process. I... I have grown a lot in my understanding of this and what I believe to be true. 
but reading about these guys in the presentations, I do see really hard work, effort being put into studying the scriptures, acknowledging that there's mystery. Neil said on the podcast last week, uh, last time we were together, that um, if you have, if you're going to have peace as a Christian, you have to have peace with the mystery. So only God truly knows 100%. There's mystery, the, yeah. The workings of salvation, how he's going to get his people. Does it also yeah. seem like he's presenting what a little bit of what happens and revealing some of that to us? Yes. And that's why it's, a, I think, confusing on both sides. Why this listener's a little confused. Because, I think it comes down to a lot of what Neil just said. And he said that you have to take the whole of Scripture. So, But also what he said about, I'm going to say things that you don't like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and exactly. And, and, and that's, I'm not going to not like it. I'm just going to sit as a learner, and I hope everybody does that too, and t- and hear what he has to say, and 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 you, and like I I might not I might like I've done before in conversations with you guys go oh I haven't been presented that yeah. side of it you know or all of that side of it so yeah. <clears throat> I have a lot of scripture to go through because I want to be honoring scripture and and go through this anyway. Yeah. The, and again, just to circle back, like the main point that I was making, you know, before we start digging into this is that don't, don't feel the need to say I'm a Calvinist or I'm a Mar-. right. Like that, that's it. Out of the two, do I believe that one is more scriptural? Yeah. Yeah. You betcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. And what we consider, what some might consider to be a mystery in some areas, I don't, I think the Bible has solved that mystery in many, in many ways. Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've been on both true. sides. Like I was raised for 20 years. Yeah, My dad was the preacher. And yeah. I went three times a week and very much on one view. And then um, I've spent the second half of my life on the other side. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen all of the arguments and all of the rebuttals on both sides. Yeah. 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 And, and one of them feels I am at more peace with, uh, you know the views on the majority of one once of, Cal- of Calvinism. I'll just say it. I'm more at peace with those. Uh, they make more sense to me when I think about sovereignty. When we need to talk about that word today, um, God's sovereignty. It's a really important word. Um, one seems more in line with what I see uh, in the rest of Scripture. And when I remove, it was foreshadow. When when. I shouldn't say when I remove because I can't do it, but when I try to remove and when I try to repent and the Holy Spirit comes in and removes pride from me, I find myself even more comfortable in that in that camp, so to speak. Um, but the point from that was don't you don't have to make a decision today, <laughs> right? Keep studying, keep reading the scriptures. Um, you know, it's. And again, part of what we'll, we'll talk, and maybe not, maybe I'm making too much of a, a mountain out of a molehill, a molehill here for yeah, people. Yeah, and I, well, I think it's worth saying, I don't believe that you have to pick one side to yeah. be saved. I think right. there's Correct. faithful men and women on both sides of the story. Right. It's almost, um, Driscoll once explained this as an in-house argument. Like it's an in-house argument mm-hmm. of the method and manner of how God saves. Um, so I... Yeah, that, that's not what we're saying. Like, you have to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say, though, that one leads to to living in the home more comfortably. In, it is an in-house argument. Well, it is truth, and I really do yeah. believe tr- truth means that one something is correct. Right. Because it, it, we, can't, we can't live too, like, you know, these in-house arguments. Like, it can the, the idea from culture can bleed in that, 
we bring our own truth to it. Right. So this is what my truth of scripture is. Yeah. And that's not what God said. God is the source of truth and he is constant. He's eternal yeah. and he's immutable. He's non-changing. So there is a source of truth and something is right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there is a correct answer. I'm not saying we have it. Yeah. I'm not saying I've got it all right. I'm not saying I have all the answers. Right. right. I'm just saying it's worth pursuing yeah. because we can't just sit back and say, oh, there's there's a lot of mystery. So I'm just I'm going to take, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 <laughs> and take that as mine. And that yeah. God that was actually written for me. And God has plans for me. And and he he wants me to go buy this car dealership. Yeah. And, and take things out of context and, and not understand the truth behind what is being presented. So, um, yeah, there, right. is, there is a standard of truth. I agree with you that there will be people who are saved on both sides because mm-hmm. both sides say that Jesus is the source of salvation. And we do have to do our best to understand truth from God's word because you said God is the source of truth. Yeah. So we'd be honorable to God to, to pursue this. It's a good pursuit for us as Christians, but on both sides, the same result is coming about. However, which side presents more that God gets all the credit for salvation? And that's what yeah. I want to point out a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Too. So that's why I wanted to disclaim all this, because I I wanted us all to say, like, there's faithful followers of Christ yeah, on both for sure. sides. Not We're not making enemies or pitting somebody against the other. Um so yeah, the first question is about Well, that's salvation. our time. That's our time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so on um, Sunday. Uh, <laughs> oh, yo, no, we still didn't get to Mark Sunday. <laughs> We're good. Would Keep going. No, no, no. That's good. All right. So yeah, this is going to have to do with how much human will is involved in grace. Um, so the question is, how are we predestined to heaven or hell when we as humans have free will and ultimately choose God or not? And so this question has to do with what's called superlapsarianism, which is the idea, oh, man. Is the idea that... You're jumping right in. Yeah, people... That, well, that, that God chooses... Superman what? Enter and intra, yeah. God chooses who's going to go to heaven, who's going to go to hell. He has not only foreknowledge, but there's the election of mm-hmm. those people. And so Arminius was against that in, in large part. Um, so his main thing was that God would allow people with their free will to have some level of cooperation with the Spirit, but still the Spirit gets all the credit. Arminius argued God gets the credit. He has the foreknowledge of whom will be saved. Um, And he was cautious, according, according to what I've read about him, to credit salvation fully to God's grace and none to our good works. Yeah. So it's a move of the Spirit. A person cooperates with that move and still doesn't get credit for salvation because it is recognized they couldn't earn salvation from anything but God's grace provided. God had to make that first move and provide that. This grace he presents in opposition to Calvinism is called prevenient grace. Mm -hmm. It is the supernatural assisting and enabling grace of Jesus. It is absolutely necessary to move fallen sinners from death to life, according to this question, from hell to heaven. It is available to all, so it is resistible. Mm -hmm. There's a big piece that, uh, in large part, he also is arguing against And when you say resistible, it means you can say no. You can say no. You can say, God has offered you this gift of salvation. Mm -hmm. The human being has the ability to say no to it. Which, probably out of context, people can read that certain people rejected God and go, see, there it is, which Mm -hmm. we'll get into a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this grace still has to come from God. 
still be offered. You can't just like muster it up kind of thing, right? All the salvific initiative and ability is God's, and at the same time, God allows for both his divine and human wills and agencies to be involved in its acceptance. The human does nothing. They hear the gospel message, recognize that God's got this gift of faith for them in his hands, and that Christ did all the work in it. And only by grace do they recognize that they are a sinner, and this gift is needed for their salvation. So Arminius even said that. It's, it's up to God's grace that they could even know that they could be regenerated. Yeah. Is that how it completely works, right? Is that tight and clean? Uh, that God has preveniently put his grace out there and knows who will take it, and that's his remnant? Or is it that God has already chosen his remnant before the foundation of the world, and they'll be forcibly handed faith and thus salvation? It's a great conversation. Um, we can be sure God makes the first move. That's what we can be sure of for sure between the two arguments. Um, so I'm going to use a few scriptures here, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, because uh, I, I brought up that God has a remnant, or you could interchangeably say the elect, those who he's saving. Yeah, absolutely. And people use especially verse 11 to go like, oh, see, God has a plan for my life. He's He's working everything out for good. And then they just like... I didn't know you were using that verse. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I was not aware. I would have chosen a different one. And that's, yeah, and that's not like... Or actually, maybe it's better. Explain it. Yeah. It's out of context to say this is for me. Yeah. It's for Israel. It's for, it's for God's covenant with Israel, his remnant at that time. In Jeremiah 29, his people, Israel, are in Babylonian captivity, and he's telling them what's to come. It's all about his move for his people whom he's saving. Um, verse 10 says, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God makes the move. He knows what's to come. You will seek me and, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore to you the place from which I deported you. So in there, it could seem like, See, the people are going to kind of muster it all up and have fidelity for God and seek him out with all their heart, and then conditionally God will reward that. But this is a picture of God saving his remnant. Who he's even talking to is are a group of people in which not all of them are going to be saved. Mm -hmm. He is giving this command to his people, and the remnant are going to obey and follow. It's a picture um, something worldly, I'm going to provide you this land again, I'm going to make you a, a great people again after 70 years, but it's a picture of giving his people eternal salvation. It's that picture. Um, Genesis 15, 4 through 6, God talks to Abraham. I bring that up because that's really where the start story starts for Israel, and where a lot of people that you read in the New Testament that are Israelites that Paul's talking to and trying to bring up to speed on what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, go see, like, we are the family of Abraham. So we're the chosen. We are saved. And Paul's saying he's always been creating a remnant, yes, from Israel at that time, but now, and I'm going back to the New Testament again, now it's Gentiles, it's non-Jews, and Israelites. 
God has opened that, and it's not new. It's what he's always planned. He's got the foreknowledge, and he's making the move happen, not us. Yeah. He's bringing them up to speed on that. People can get a little confused here because in Genesis 15, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to him, being Abraham. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, Your offspring will be that numerous. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He's not crediting, okay, you grabbed salvation, saying he believed the Lord, and now that brings up the discussion, does the Lord prompt somebody to believe, or can somebody have enough free will to receive that truth? Yeah. So that's why there's a big disagreement here. Yeah. And and Abraham's a type. He's a character here. We can look at and go, what's going on in this interaction with God? Yeah. Well, ultimately, it does seem to me that God's making the move. It couldn't even happen without God. That's ultimately what even that side Arminius is getting at. Um, um, and, and, and so ultimately it's all God's credit anyway. So that's why I do, I move toward what we're going to get to Calvinism myself because of this, right? He's the one who's even crediting him with this. Abraham didn't do anything. He was given faith. He was given righteousness by God. And so those who believe that it's, it just, follows the same pattern of the story all the way into the New Testament. The only difference is it's Jews and non-Jews who become the remnant, who become yeah. the elect, who hear the gospel and are saved. Yeah. Um, another thing I think people... I'll just say the remnant th- idea, like once you understand that yeah. and you start reading the Bible, you start to, it's like you know wanting to buy a red car and you start seeing red cars everywhere. Once you... Mm-hmm. This idea of the remnant yes. and you start studying the scripture, you see it's everywhere. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I jumped to Hebrews 5, 7 through 9, talking about Jesus, um, who is that, right? We get in that Genesis 15, who the sons of Abraham are, and that one will be an heir, and Abraham's believing, and it's credited to him as righteousness, because he doesn't know the whole story. God knows the whole story, that ultimately this is leading to Christ. It's going to lead to a son, it's going to lead to Israel, the chosen ones, but ultimately it's going to lead to Christ who is saving Jews and non-Jews. And so we look at Jesus' story, we look at Jesus' life, people look to Scripture and go, how did Jesus interact with God, not just Abraham? And there seems to be even a condition on Jesus' reverence for God in Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. It says, During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. It sounds like there's a condition there that even Jesus himself learned to obey God as a human being when he wrapped himself up in flesh, and he had to know the one who could save him. Verse 8, although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And verses like that have been the ones that have, I guess, kept me at bay from just jumping onto a team mm-hmm. in the past. Like yeah. Jesus himself, the one I'm supposed to model my life and faith after, the model is he's reverent before God, and God hears him because of that. Does God hear my cry that something's missing in my life, everything is seems off, and that I need fulfillment, 
and he reveals himself to me. Yeah. That one doesn't seem to be where, you know, it's not where I land now, but that's, I'm just giving Hebrews some has background. Hebrews has several verses that are yeah. that are meaning camp will use, and they're they're yes. they're difficult to look at they, because it seems like it's saying one thing. Yes. Yeah, there's several verses in Hebrews. Yeah, even the one in Acts that you brought up to me some months ago that moved me more to more to a Calvinism understanding of yeah. the doctrines of grace has this in it. It's the next one I want to bring up. Here, there, there are Israelites who reject the gospel mm-hmm. and others who hear the gospel and believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, right. does, it, does that say that human will is involved a little bit? It says, Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, the Israelites, since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. It says they judge themselves unworthy of eternal life by rejecting. There's a condition again. Yeah, it seems. Um, so we're t- we're turning to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. For this is what the Lord has commanded us: I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Yeah, that's a big hinge verse for you. It sounded like in yeah. your study of the word. Yeah, it was. Because it's saying that <clears throat> some people judge themselves unworthy by rejecting God, but then in the same breath almost, it's saying there are the the, the remnant is appointed to eternal life. Yes, God knew they were going to believe, but God also, through the gospel message here and who he's already called to himself, now they're sharing the gospel more, and those people God already knows of, is they're now mm-hmm. receiving faith. So it's still the Calvinist view there. And then, and then Romans nine and ten, man. Yeah, I was <laughs> it's like go to where, nine. where we're probably where you are probably going to unpack from the most. Um, Romans nine fourteen, Paul says, "What should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I sh- will show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have." Which compassion. I brought up last week. Yes, from yeah Moses. And yeah. then that's in line with God making the first move and being the one who gets all the credit. So then it does not depend on human will. Read that effort. slowly. Because that read that slowly. What? Verse 16. Like verse 16 is so crucial. This is crucial, yeah. So then it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So he uses an example there um, from Israel's day. You will say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Well, what is formed, say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? And then Romans 10 says that God held out his hands to a disobedient and defiant people. So this, I'm bringing a lot of scripture up because I've tried to, figure this out yeah. <laughs> yeah. forensically. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like, yeah, what do you do with Romans uh, 9.16 ultimately? I tie that to Romans 10 when it's talking about us as messengers. Right? Again, doesn't depend on human will or effort, but God who shows mercy. Okay, so all I do then, if I really simplify the past 16 minutes or whatever I've been talking. <laughs> Is that all it's been? I don't know. But, but... God handles salvation. 
and then invites us in. One, we don't deserve grace. We don't deserve salvation. But two, we don't deserve to get to do anything with God, but he lets that happen too. So he takes it a step further and invites us to, to practice being like him in sharing this good news to the world. Yeah. And that's where we get in um in um, Romans 10. Romans like, 10, yeah. What do I what do I know? What I do know is that we preach the gospel, the good news. Like God figures the salvation part out, and I fully agree that God gets all the credit. Romans 10:14 tells us how then can they call on him they have not believed in, and how can they believe without hearing him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So then it's on me to share that good news that I've received. That partly is a mystery, but partly it's telling me that God made it happen. Yeah. And you're you're answering questions that are that aren't here but will come up. Yes. If we are, if we don't, you know, if we're not, if we don't choose God, we don't know who's going to choose God. Then why do we preach? Yes. Why do we even evangelize? And the answer is because God has made us part of the process. Yeah. He He's told us how salvation will be accomplished. It's going to be through the Messiah. Yes. Who ends up being Himself, the Son of God, and then that gospel will be carried mm-hmm. by us. And the fact that we're part of the process is part of the gospel. That's super yeah. cool that we even get to do it and, and cooperate with him in that way. So it's, it's less about us cooperating with the Holy Spirit and back and forth, maybe I want this gift or not, and more about when God does give you faith, you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the mission, in the process, yeah, to the rest of the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, I was going to highlight verse 16, like they, I asked you to highlight too. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's a verse you got, you have to, are, are they being clear, is Paul being clear in what he's trying to say? And I think he's being clear in trying to directly say what he's saying. It does not depend on human will yeah. or exertion. Human will from our Arminian view, is that human will has a part in our salvation. It's not just God's will. It's 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 God initiating first and his will, but our will has to meet God's will at some point. Mm-hmm. And Paul is trying to clear that up and say it does not depend on human will. And then right before that section, before you start reading, I was going to include also the example of Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. And he gives this example Though they were not born yet and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Paul's giving an example of people who were elected, and we were told that Jacob was elected before he was even born. Just to drive home the point, had nothing to do with anything he ever could have done because it was before he was even born. God knew it was going to be Jacob. And he's using that to make that point. It has nothing to do with human will, but with the will of God. So I think the problem that people run into sometimes is precisely what we talked about last week. We use that language. I use that language, moments and standards, right? There's no way that you can read the Bible from beginning to end, 
beginning to end to see that God chooses people. God chooses people. Um, and what people I think sometimes feel like is, yeah, that was God chose people in the Bible, but the Bible's done. The canon's closed. Now, now we have the freedom to choose God because now we have this Bible. We have all the information. Now we can read it. We can decide for ourselves if this feels right, if it feels good, if it feels true. And if it does, then now we can choose God. The problem is, is those, those aren't moments in scripture. It's the standard in scripture. There's not one moment, not a single moment in scripture where somebody chooses God, where it's volitional. Yeah. I want to go back to Romans. I think this is real important. Romans chapter three, no one is righteous. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. And what uh, Paul is doing here is he's quoting Psalm 14. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one seeks for God. Now, we can try to invent new ways of defining the term or the phrase or the words no one, but no one means yeah. no one. No one. At the beginning of the Now What series in 2023, uh, I said that there are our choices come from one of two places, our sin nature or the spirit. It's Galatians chapter five. That's it. Uh, you are either sin controlled or your spirit controlled. And so I want to I want to take that and I want to start unpacking just a couple of, of things here. I want to talk about this idea of free will. The question is, how are we predestined to heaven or hell when we as humans have free will and ultimately choose God or not? This term free will is, uh, and let me just say the most controversial thing that I'll say today. I do not believe that free will, as it is understood by the majority of people, exists. I think there is no such thing as true, unlimited free will. Let me shoot over to Ecclesiastes real quick. And uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Um Verse 10 in the ESV says, whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. What does that mean? Whatever has come to be has already been named. That means that everything that has happened, everything that will happen has already been decided. That's what that means. You can try to slice that and dice that. You can look, you can cross-reference, you can study it. I don't care how you look at it. What the wisest man in history is saying, what the teacher is saying is that everything, whatever has come to be has already been named and it's known what man is. In other words, it is known what you are going to be. There is no freedom in these, uh, in this life yeah. because even if, even if you are not being spirit controlled, then what are you controlled by? Your sin. You're a slave to one of two things. Yeah. You're a slave to your sin or you're a slave to the spirit. That's it. So this idea of free will, where we somehow have this freedom of choice to just do whatever we want outside of the spirit and outside of sin is supported nowhere in scripture. And it doesn't make logical sense when it comes to a sovereign God, a sovereign God who is in all, over all, through all, and knows all. I've never met a person that believes in free will that 
disagrees that God is all knowing. Maybe they're out there, but I've never met one. And you can say, do you believe that God is all knowing? Yes. Do you believe that God is all good? Yes. Do you believe that God is all loving? Yes. Do you believe that God knows infinitely more than you and has worked all things together, past, present, and future for the good of those that live? Yes. I believe all that. You believe God is smarter than me? Yes. Why do you want free will? (laughs) Why would you even want it? Why do you want to make a decision for yourself that God could make for you when you've got infinite wisdom and holiness available? Why do we want to get our fingers in the mix and say, well, you know, but I have freedom to choose my salvation and I have freedom to to choose. I'll go even further. I have freedom to choose my spouse in my job. I have freedom to, to do all these things. I think unlimited free will and free will as a whole, and again, this is what some, and even you guys may disagree. I don't think that exists. I think you are either operated by your sin nature, Galatians chapter five, or the spirit. And this push and this desire for free will, <clears throat> this push and desire that people have to, to take part in the process of their own salvation goes all the way back to Genesis in the fall of man. Yes. When it's, when, when Satan says you can be like God. It goes all the way back to Satan thinking I can be like God. It's pride. It's pride. Let me reduce it to maybe some terms that are a little bit easier to understand, but maybe more relatable. My son, Henry, compared to me, is stupid in his knowledge and wisdom on the majority of things in life. It's stupid. He doesn't understand physics, mechanics, when he's going to get hurt. He doesn't understand how, he said to me the other day, I wish I could never sleep. He's seven, just turned seven. He knows nothing, but he has a father who knows infinitely more than him. And in his little sinful state, He wants so badly to do what he wants to do because he thinks it's best. And because I love him as a child, I do not let him make decisions because he will ruin himself. He will hurt himself. He will destroy himself. He will hurt others. He will display characters like selfishness and pride and and being self-centered in ways that only a seven-year-old can display. So I I I refrain him. I stop him. I restrain him and do not give him the ability to make decisions because I am a loving father. That is precisely what God does for us. He doesn't give us autonomy. He doesn't give us the ability to thwart his plans and his desires because he knows what's best. He's a loving father. And so he restrains the sin in our life. Uh, we'll see this in Romans 1. You'll see just a little bit. We're going to get into Romans uh, in a couple of weeks. He just lifts his finger off the knob for just a second. And what happens in Romans 1? Everybody goes bonkers. Everybody, they trade the truth of God for a lie. I think the reason that we desire free will, I think the reason that free will seems appealing is because 
well, it's multifaceted. I think I think one of the main reasons is because it is difficult for us having a sin nature, having that pride to release that control to the Lord. Our sin nature wants control of everything, including our own salvation. And so it's counterintuitive for our sin nature, which is constantly Galatians 5, opposed to that spirit nature to get on board with the idea of God choosing. And in our sin nature, like we've talked about for the last several weeks, we reduce God's justice and his understanding of what is just and what is fair, and we'll say just because that's a better word, to our to our finite understanding of what's just. And if we can somehow say, okay, well, God has made it available. He made the first move, but then it's still on us to make that decision. Then we don't have to process through the difficulty of a all-loving, all-powerful God sending people to hell because that's hard to process through. We can say, oh, God didn't send them to hell. They just chose not to believe. They rejected. And then we can blame the creation and not have to reconcile the mystery with the creator. It's it's rooted in, in pride, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that the person that is struggling with, okay, God is uh, in charge of all things. He's sovereign. He's in all, through all, over all. And he... Every part of a man is is known, his days, what he will choose, what he will eat. And people say, well, I have free will to pick up this phone right now. But you don't. <laughs> like, you don't. You're, the only reason your heart is beating is because God is making yeah. it beat. We don't exist unless God sustains us. There is no true freedom how we think freedom should be or the freedom that we desire. And I think the reason that we wrestle with this is ultimately rooted in pride. But to the person that is wrestling with this, anyone listening that's wrestling with this, I I implore you, I, I, I encourage you, ask yourself, why do you want free will? Why would you want it? If the creator of all things, if the God who spoke the Son into existence is willing to, to not only control your eternity, but control your earthly life as well, why wouldn't you let him steer? Why do you, I would never get in the car and tell Henry, take the wheel. Take the wheel. I trust you at every turn. I trust you at every stoplight. I would never do that. Yeah. Why would, why do we want the, why do we want the wheel? If God is willing to drive and he's got, and he's perfect and he's holy. He's got perfect timing and a perfect record. Why do we want any part of it? Why do we want control? And so to the people struggling with this, ask yourself, root out, where is this coming from? Is it because you have a family member that isn't in faith? Is it because you have a hard time reconciling? Well, the, the mystery will say of God, uh, allowing people, sending people, ordaining people, the wicked for the day of destruction, the vessels of wrath to display his justice and his discipline. You having a hard time reconciling that just because it's difficult doesn't mean it isn't true. Let me say that again. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it isn't true. It's not up to us to change scripture, to fit within what is comfortable for us. It is up to us to pray and up to the Holy Spirit to come in and give us peace with things like the doctrine of election. 
So I would, again, encourage, ask yourself, why do you want a say in, in anything? Uh, I, I wrote down lots of scripture verses. Um, you know, this, uh, well, I guess we'll get to that and maybe question five if, if we get there. Um, but I think it's important to, to understand. And let me just bring up what we read in Romans 9. It's not up to human will. It's not up to human will. I think when people think we eliminate free will, that we eliminate human will. And let me make this distinction real quick. They are not the same thing. Human will is not free will. Free will is the freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want, and have absolute total autonomy and say in everything that we do. That doesn't exist. Human will does exist. And what the prayer is and what the hope is and what we ask God, because human will, let's just, let's change the word to desire. It's our desires, right? And what is the prayer for us supposed to be? Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So God gives the person the, the, the uh, person that he's going to give faith. He, he changes their desires. In other words, the spirit starts to take control because your desires come from either one or two places. Your sin, what is it that causes fights and quarrels among you, James 4? Is it not your passions? Is it not your desires, your sinful passions and your desires? And so what God does is he allows the spirit to come in and take control of that will. That human will uh, is either controlled by, again, spirit or flesh, Galatians 5, James chapter 4. And so the prayer for us is, God, give me, when it comes to Christian living, we're outside of maybe salvation at this point, but Christian living, God, give me the desire to do the right thing. Give me that desire. So that was a bit of a tangent. Um, and again, I think that uh, this idea of how many of us understand it as free will. I don't, I don't personally believe it exists and I'm absolutely fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. I am great with God driving the car. I'm happy to be a passenger. I want no part of that wheel. I want no part in his heart. A man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I'm great with God steering for me. End of speech. I have nine rebuttals. Nine <laughs> rebuttals. No, <laughs> no, I, you, you hit on a lot of things I was going to follow up on. Um, because when we, we talk about this idea of free will, we have um, something in our heads of what we mean and, and what we think we mean. It's not talked about anywhere in scripture. Right. Two people had free will, Adam and Eve. And that's one of the reasons Genesis three is there to demonstrate this. Adam and Eve had free will. They had the ability not to sin. They're the only creatures, only humans I'll say since then in that state they had the ability not to sin they were in the garden with god they had the ideal setting everything they needed and they still chose beyond god god is telling us without a doubt we will not choose god we will always choose something else they had free will every person since then has not had free will not in the way that this this question is, is framing it the way we think of it. Right. It, it, it's, it hasn't existed and nothing in scripture tells us that we should expect it. In fact, what you were saying about, about our wills being broken, like it, it's, we don't even have to leave Romans. Romans right. six yeah. says we are either a slave to sin or we're a slave to righteousness. Yep. We're either slaves to the self, to our own sin, or we're a slave to God. That's the only options it gives. That's referring to our will. Our will either acts, and I would say the will is a little different than desires, as in it's a step further. It, it, it moves us to action. Our will is the desire that moves into action. Yeah, okay. And I so we either move toward ourself and our sin, or we move toward God. 
and, and free free will just isn't taught. And and in Romans nine, when we talked about Jacob and Esau, and we talked about it not depending on human will, it depends on God's will. That's crucial for understanding Romans ten, because mm-hmm. Romans ten, when it's talking about the gospel and being preached, and that's the method of salvation. How is anyone going to be saved if they don't hear the gospel? How's the gospel going to get out if we don't send preachers? Because if you don't hear God choosing first in Romans 9, then when it comes to Romans 10, it's set up that we are responsible for salvation, not only us, but even us specifically, pastors, preachers, salvation's on us, actually, because we need to come up with a message or say the gospel in just the right way that it stirs people to pick Christ. Right. That it, 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 it overcomes their will to the point that they choose Christ because of what we've done. Yeah, that's a good point. It removes the Spirit's work. And then it becomes it yeah. becomes about crafting the perfect yeah, yeah, sermon and yeah. the perfect altar call and the perfect moment at, at church camp where we get people to commit to Christ. And then salvation doesn't belong to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the preacher. Yeah. And so if you don't have God's sovereign choice of Romans 9, then Romans 10 I mean, that's really what Armenians are doing. They're ignoring 9 and just going right to 10. Right. But Romans 9 is there intentionally. And to your point, what you're saying about the idea of free will, because the next question is, well, if I don't have a free will, then how can I still be responsible? It's, and I, I want to highlight, you're saying we don't have free will. It doesn't mean we don't have a will. Right. Yeah. Humans are given a will. That's part of what it means to be a person. We have a will. And... We're just saying we don't have a will in the manner that you're probably thinking that we have it. Right. If we're, our will is not free, then then how can we be held accountable? Because God tells us he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, and he's going to judge us according to our actions. How can we be accountable? If, God, if God's will is controlled, if God is truly in the driver's seat, then how are we morally responsible? Right. This is what makes us uh, part of the ima- uh, us carrying the image of God, is that we are morally aware. We're aware of right and wrong, but we're also aware that we might be in judgment for it, or we might have some duty to God. We're God-conscious. And that's what Romans 9 says. Chad read it a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Then Paul, anticipating that exact question, you'll say to me then, why does God still find fault? For who can resist his will? Mm-hmm. Paul saying God's will is irresistible. Who can resist it? Like that's a rhetorical question that he uses all throughout the book of Romans. He uses rhetorical questions to teach us. But who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? He gives the same answer that, that God gave the same answer that God gave to Job. Mm-hmm. Who are you to answer back right. to God? None of your business. <laughs> this is this is what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Um, There's the maybe some of that mystery. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Like we look at um, to go back to uh, the mo- the act, like moments versus um, standards. Standards. Uh, we talked about that in the men's study because we're going through the Book of Acts, and the Book of Acts has a lot of moments that aren't going to be repeated. And and a lot of churches will take a lot of things. We talked about that last week. A lot of things with the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues and, and things that have been made standard that really were moments. And we can think of, of Paul on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. Did Paul choose Jesus? <laughs> he did not. Right. Paul is a perfect example because he chose completely 
the opposite of Jesus. He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting not Jesus directly, but the church, Jesus's project, his his baby, the church. Like Paul was doing his best to put these people in jail. He was passionate against Christ's work. And on the road to Damascus, he's slain in the spirit. He gets knocked down and Jesus confronts him and says, I'm choosing you. You've been doing it this way and you're wrong. I'm going to use you to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, people will take that moment to think, well, I want that slain in the spirit moment when I'm saved. You know, I don't remember when I was saved. I don't know. You know, I, Jesus, I want him to come to me in a vision and make it super clear. And, and that's not going to happen. That happened to Paul. But we still see a standard there. We see God choosing people in spite of themselves. Right. He chose Israel in spite of itself. It was not the biggest. It was not the best looking. He chose everybody in spite of themselves to demonstrate that this is what I'm doing. I've picked, and now you're in my will. So. I have a question about Acts with Paul, being yeah. the minister to the Gentiles. Then I thought about Acts 17. He's speaking in Athens. Yeah. And you might have to look it up for me because I didn't think of writing it down. Um, but Acts 17, I think it's verse 24. On Mars Hill. Yeah. And he is working to convince the people there. Right. Towards the gospel. Um, but he talks about God determining their place of living and everything. Yeah. That they might reach out and find him. He's made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods yes. and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yes. And then Neil just said, nobody seeks God. Yeah. So, well, like, why? <laughs> why would Paul use that language? Yeah. yeah. He it, is. At the same time, God is the one who's doing everything. I've placed people. I've done this. You know, he's the one with the will. And Paul continues says, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Right. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Mm -hmm. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands that all people everywhere to repent mm -hmm. because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed Christ. And of this, he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard this, and I know I'm reading a lot, but this yeah. is going to, we got to finish the story to, to, yes. to see what's going on here. Yeah. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear again, you again about this. Mm -hmm. So Paul went from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, yeah. among whom were also Dionysius, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. So remnant. what's happened there? What's that? Remnant. The remnant. Paul has preached the gospel to these men. Yes. And what was the result? Some didn't believe. Some mocked. And mocked, yeah. Some were like, uh, maybe. We'll hear you again, I guess. Yeah. We'll listen to more. Some believed. Yeah. That's a standard. Yeah. A moment that's actually setting a standard. Paul, 
doesn't know who is going, who the elect are. We don't know who the remnant is. We don't know who Jacob is. We don't know who's saved and who's not saved. So then who do we preach to? We preach to everybody. And through that preaching, God is going to save some. Some will hear, just like uh, you read earlier uh, in Acts um, 14. Yes. Some believed, some did not. Yeah, and I wonder why he didn't use the phrasing, like some were placed there that they might hear the good news. He says that they might seek him. I just was what verse are you on, Chad, that you're... It's X seventeen twenty four through like twenty nine, I think. Uh, well, I started from twenty six. Yeah, yeah. It might be. Yeah, I think it's exactly verse twenty seven. Okay, I see where you're. Okay, yeah. So, and and I think there's a there's other things we could say about this. Yeah. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him. Mm-hmm. That's coming out of Romans one. We all have a conscience and know God exists, and we're we're looking for Him. Everybody, uh, I I say deep down there are no atheists. Yeah, even it, he spread up Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes three eleven says he's placed eternity in on the, the hearts, hearts of men. men. Yeah, yeah. But we don't know the story from beginning to end. We don't right. know. We can't see it all. Ooh, that's a perfect verse for this. And um, <laughs> but we don't know it all. <laughs> and Romans one that that Neil brought up a moment ago. Yeah. We're all seeking, we all have an awareness of God. There's no true atheist. Deep down, no one is a true atheist. They've just repressed the truth. Mm. Now there's a podcast title. And um and and it's this this verse is getting to that, that they should seek God. Everybody is seeking God in in that sense. Yeah. In the sense that we have a, a common grace conscious. We know that um it's evident in the stars. It's evident in creation. We look to uh, oh, Romans 1. We look to creation, and we can see evidence of God. Now, how that's playing out is what Paul now then gives them. He's saying, because he's looking around Mars Hill, he's seeing their statues. He's seeing the um, you know the tomb of the unknown God or the, the, um, the altar of the unknown God, not the tomb, <laughs> but the altar of the unknown God. Yeah. And he's saying... You guys are looking for something. You're right. looking for it. Yeah. This is it. Christ is it. What you guys have been looking for and feeling around for, it's Christ. Yeah. Some believe. Some aren't so sure. And others believe. So even in that, Paul, who arguably, you know, the preacher, right? The man who was slain in the spirit and had direct downloads from Christ himself— uh, you would think, you know, if anyone could preach or deliver the gospel better than Paul, it, it would, I mean, it would be Paul. So if it comes down to Romans 10, us preaching the gospel to convince, I mean, you read other places in the book of Acts where Paul's going about and it says he would go from the, uh, he'd go from temple to, or synagogue to synagogue. Mm-hmm teaching about Christ and the yes. kingdom of God, trying to persuade. Persuade, yeah. That word is, t- is can catch you up. Yeah. Is it about Paul? Is he If he can persuade good enough, if you know we can get up on a Sunday and persuade people well enough, is that what it's about? If that's what it's about, then it's about my will. Right. It's about my will to persuade you into believing 
Jesus Christ. And then it comes down to a formula. If I can come up with a, a sermon or a phrase or a teaching or a method that you know is so catchy it works that persuades you to believe in Christ, then I'm the one saving you. Mm-hmm. I'm the one bringing you to Christ. Yeah, that's what this question hinges on completely. Who gets yeah. the credit? Like, can you let's get go back to twenty two? No. Yeah, let's go back to twenty two because how he sets this up is really important. So, so let's go back to let's go back to before twenty six um, because this I think this will maybe help this a little bit um, because it, we can get hung up on that word seek and that word should. Um, in it, it feels like there's a bit of a contradiction with. Psalm 14 in Romans 3, no one seeks after God. And then it seems like Paul's saying, uh, this should happen that way they seek after God. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. So Paul, standing in the midst of uh, Oropagus, is maybe how you say that, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also on an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Let me stop there. So already he's setting up that God gives, right? Nor is he who served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath. And then that key word is everything. So he's establishing before that should seek language out that God is is the giver of all things, not right. just life, not just breath, but everything, salvation included. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And then here it is, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek. Why has he boxed them? He made the first move. That's what I was saying. He, yeah. yeah, he boxed them in. Yeah. He set it all up to set them on the path that they, the word should, and I'd have to do a study. I'd be interested to see if that's in the, what that is in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the Greek and how that translates. Yeah. I bet the word will would fit in the, that they will seek. And, and again, I'm presuming, but yeah. this seems familiar, this type of language that they should seek means like it's on them. Like, right. okay, I hope you guys seek. But no, he set all these boundaries. He's the giver of everything. He set the boundaries so that they will seek God and they'll feel their way toward him and find him. And then, like Mark said, yet he's actually not far uh, from each of us. Uh, for in him we live and move in, in our being. So even before though that language, there's two instances where God determined, God set up the boundaries, God's the giver of all things. Excuse me. So there is no there is no freedom. We talk about in Romans three. No one understands. No one. Uh, there's no one righteous. Uh, in other words, there's no one worthy. Right. This is this is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, no one's worthy. No one's righteous. And no one understands. No one truly uh, understands what it would take to. And even if they did, they wouldn't do it. They're unable and they're also unwilling. That's what the sin nature does. And no one seeks after after God. No one. No one in their s- finite sinful flesh. Again, Galatians 5, Paul says that the, the, it's always hostile to the Spirit. So there's nothing in a sin nature that's ever going to pursue God. That's what he's talking about here. And then in Acts chapter 17, you got these guys that are they're religious. They want to worship something. And part of the point that uh, is being made here is that he, God is, you guys are willing to you know do anything, and, and God is 
the giver of all things. Like you're worshiping an unknown God, and I'm here presenting a God to you that is the giver of all things. And he's set up these boundaries in, in order that people will will seek him. And so it's not a contradiction. It's a different, and again, you'd have to go back and look at that word should and how uh, it would uh, translate in the Greek. Um, but it's not a contradiction. It's just a, it's a different, it's a different, um, let's say it's a different use of the word seek and what they're seeking and, and who who they're seeking it. But again, those preceding verses let us know that God's still the one that has determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. In other words, this is where they're at. And now they're going to seek based on what he's pre predetermined. And he's using language with an audience that are a bunch of philosophers and people who want, like you said, to worship something. Yeah. So yeah, they're willing to worship anything. They're having they're having conversations about the latest and greatest things to believe in all the time. So that's why there's some people who are like, "Oh, okay, I might listen to this new thing that you're talking yeah. about that you're calling the gospel." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, maybe you'd put a bow tie on this. Um, this verse twenty eight is is a very uh, very heavy verse. Very deep. There's a lot to it. But this phrase, in him we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. So this concept of having our being in him. Yeah. Um, this is something I've been thinking about recently, and it's 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 heavy. This idea of of God, God is existence himself. God um doesn't allow for existence, he he is existence, and we and nothing exists outside of him like this isn't uh we think of we think of god and we put him in a box and we want to think of him as a person mm. and we think of you know he had he had some um had some had some babies and made a plan made some planets and and like we have a kid and now you've got you know ledger and you've got henry like now he's got us like but in reality are even all of their beings and their existence are within god mm-hmm. And this isn't pantheism. This isn't that God is everywhere and God is everything, but uh, God is self-existent and nothing else can exist other than him, out, outside of outside of him. And so in him, we have our being. We have a being because God has given it to us. We're human beings. And so God has to be sovereign over all of it or he's not God. When we talk about this idea of free will and and our very existence comes down to this, that we cannot exist outside of God, that includes our will, our emotions, our affectations, everything cannot exist outside of God. And we struggle because of that because things like sin exist in the world. And we say sin, you know, God can't tolerate sin. That's true. He can't. He's doing something about it. But he allows for sin to exist. He does. He has the power to stop it. He allows for sin to exist. But he's going to ultimately call in all the all the overpassed, <laughs> overdue bills. Yeah. Sin will be paid for in every way. Now, when we talk about uh, God being sovereign over all of this, he has to be sovereign over our will, and he has to be sovereign over ultimately who is going to heaven or who is who is who is going to hell. This is compared sometimes to a chess game. Like the the Arminian view is that we are in a chess game, and God is God is the master chess player. 
So God will move and he's on one side of the board and we're on the other side of the board and Satan's on the other side of the board with us and Satan will make a move and then God will just make that master move that will defeat Satan and us, our sinful wills, and, and he ultimately wins the game. But ultimately, he doesn't know how the game's going to end. He's not sovereign. So God's sovereignty is actually incompatible with Arminianism. And that's, that's, an, that's a, that's, it's called incompatibilism. It, it's not compatible that God is truly sovereign if free will exists in the way Arminians think it exists. Now, there's the other view that the chess game that life is, is already scripted. It's God knows what all the moves are going to be, and he has sovereignly ordained all of the moves to be what they will be. That the moves are going to be moved on both sides of the game in a certain manner, and the result is foreknown. If you don't believe that God doesn't foreknow the results, then you have to deny God's omniscience. If you don't believe that God knows how things are going to wrap up, you cannot trust Revelation. You cannot trust that God ultimately even has the power to save you. If this is a chess game and God is just a master player, then he ultimately doesn't know what's coming next. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know the future. He can't see into the future. It's not compatible with his attributes. He can't take away his attributes to make a doctrine work. Right. Because God, we're also told God cannot change. Yeah. Yeah, it turns God into, it makes him reactionary. Yeah. And there's no part of God that reacts. Yeah. That's, and if God, because if God does react, then that means something exists outside of God. This is why I started with this idea of being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This idea of self existent, a self existent being is necessary for anything to exist. Something has to exist first. We are called contingent beings. That's what we're called because we are contingent on whether God wanted to make us or not. And God, through his will, chose to make us and give us his image, which also has a will. So he has chosen to give us and make us people, persons in his image that also has a will that was free, that was then marred by sin and is now slaved, enslaved to sin so that he ultimately, by his will, can free our wills. Martin Luther's probably most important work, other than the 95 Theses, or most impactful anyway, was, was a direct response to this. It's called the bondage of the will. Saying we are in bondage, and ultimately the, the expression of what God is going to do through our being is demonstrate his being. And ultimately... God has to be sovereign over salvation or we can't trust anything at all. If we sit here and say, well, God doesn't know who's going to accept his call or it's up to us or, uh, you know, we, you, you could choose it or you could not, then God's not omniscient, God is not sovereign, and God ultimately is not God. Yeah, that's good. And I think, again, just to, just to reiterate you know, motive and reasoning for these uh, landing in one camp or another, I think is really important to, to mine out. Like, yeah, think about who God is and think about uh, his infinite capability and think about why you wouldn't want him in charge of everything. I think that's, I think that's a really important 
part of this. It's a really important piece of this. What's why do you want to say? Why do you want to why do you want to have the ability to make a decision? If we if you sit down and you really think about it in and the spirits in that process, which I believe you will be, there's no way you're going to want to walk. There's no way you're going to walk out of it, that type of meditation or that type of prayer thinking, you know what? I still want, I still want to have some skin in the game. I still want to be able to make a, to make a decision. Like if I was going to, and again, this is to reduce it significantly, significantly. But if I was on a basketball team, <laughs> which is already funny, but I was <laughs> playing basketball and I was looking at my team and, the, and I was going to hit the court and prime Michael Jordan shows up and says, I'll play for you if you want. There's no way I wouldn't let Jordan take my place and shoot every single shot because he's the, he's the goat. He knows better. He's got more experience. He can sink every basket. He understands the game like I'll never understand the game. When it comes to decisions, when it comes to the shots that we take, when it comes to everything, we have beyond Michael Jordan, a God who is calling those shots and wants us and desires us to, to be at peace with those decisions and says that when he gives us that spirit, he's going to give us that peace. And what quenches that peace in our life is that and what quenches the spirit is our own sin that sin nature and so we pray god help give me more fight god give me the ability uh to be at peace with these things and so really again going back to anybody struggling with this going back to the to the root of it why why do you really want free will to exist why would you want to do a job that god is willing to do for you let him shoot the shots. Let him let him play. Not that we have to let him. <laughs> well, the gospel sounds a lot more palatable that way. I've heard it at youth conferences where the analogy is like you're floating down a torrential downpour on a river and Jesus is that life raft that's made himself available and all you got to do is grab a hold of it and you're in. Yeah. And then people raise their hand and go for it. Because they had free will to just choose. Right. That sounds way better than whatever picture they're painting yeah. of hell. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it and there's something comforting it about it. You know, we yeah. feel good about that. We've made the right decision. We've made the right decision. We've made the right decision, and we like to make right decisions. Mm -hmm. It feels it feels good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God is working out his plan. He's been working out his plan since day one. And we are, with a progressive revelation, we're slowly seeing more pieces of it and understanding it more and more. What he did, he did, he did, he did, he did. <laughs> That's what Romans 8 says. <laughs> he did, he did, he did. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It might be better for the next question, and I don't even know if we have time today, but we don't. Romans eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. It's yeah, that, that'll be good for next he's week. He's giving the gifts and the call yeah. to us. 
And yeah, I'll, I'll expand on that at the next question, but then those people are going to be the church. Yeah. Mm. That'll preach. <laughs> yeah. That'll it's pod. A, that'll pod. That'll iPod. <laughs> iPodcast. <laughs> is that is that what it is? Should we yeah. should we sing happy birthday to Mark? Which you, no. Uh, no. <laughs> he doesn't want it. He's already, <laughs> he want uh, it. The greatest present we could give you is to not sing. And he's gonna get it in his, <laughs> his headphones, you know. Oh no. Nice That's a right. Beautiful yeah. voices. <laughs> can you can you sing? I, I think I've asked you this and you've said I can, but it's not like crazy. Good. I like to hear it sometime. Yeah. Sing for me. <laughs> Wait, maybe Come on, funny guy. Make me laugh. Yeah. It's not my forte, but. No. Sure. Well, if you I were going to sing. serenade you while you play the guitar. <laughs> Great. Uh, if you were going to sing a song, Chad, what would you sing? <laughs> if you had to audition. <laughs> Probably Tom Petty. <laughs> You're friend, yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that. You know that story, right? Yeah. I don't think Might so. Swidrack, uh, David Swidrack. Uh, for those who are listening that don't know, he Sing was something upbeat. former worship leader. He tried out for American Idol, and he had a song prepared, and he sang that song. I don't remember the first song is, but but they were like, "Can you? Well, can you sing us another song?" And for some reason, he default defaulted to <laughs> "Free Fallen" by Tom Petty, and so he was like, "And I'm free." And then he just waited they wouldn't for every cars. rest. <laughs> and he was like, free? <laughs> so he had all this silence in front of the judges. And they were like, that's all right. So he chose a song with like. He a, got in front of the judges? I, I don't know if it was the, the judges, judges. The, I think the. Yeah. The, Might have the, been the producers. Gotcha. The producers or whoever, huh. whoever it was. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. He got further than I did in The Bachelor. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I never got in front of the. <laughs> I also, last thing. I also uh, sent a tape in to Conan O'Brien uh, <laughs> when I was, uh, they were, uh, when he was on the late show, was it the late show? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Uh, late night with Conan O'Brien. Uh, they were taking, uh, they were receiving auditions and, and taking uh, tapes of bands, any band, unsigned bands. And they thought the best, whoever the best unsigned band was, uh, was going to get on the Conan O'Brien show. Hmm. And uh, so we had, I was 19 at the time and uh, had a VHS. Conan yeah. always had the best bands. He had the best musical artists. He did. Yeah. That's probably why he didn't make it. Well, and that's now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, let me tell you why I didn't make it because I chose to. Uh, Tom Petty? <laughs> free Fallen. Acapella Free Fallen. No, it was a seven minute long <laughs> instrumental song. Oh. <laughs> 16 million notes uh, in it at a tempo. Oh, yeah. The song, was called, <laughs> the song was called Lost in Ravenna. Yeah. And uh, it was named uh, because we were listening to the demo and uh, got lost in, uh, you guessed it, Ravenna. Oh, Ravenna, Ohio. This is before uh, GPS. Uh, we. Lost. We had printed off the uh, directions, too, because we were going to see... Uh, my buddy was in a band called For All the Drifters, which turned into Paper Route. I don't know if you remember Paper Route, um, but they were pretty pretty big. And uh, we printed off MapQuest directions to get to the venue. Uh, we did not do the, the directions back. And for some reason, uh, in our... Uh, 
I'll just say it in our, our stoned state. Um, go to the marijuana, we couldn't reverse it. We could not. We could not. Different. F- Going backwards. It was different. <laughs> so we were listening to this and we were like, what should we name this? And I was like, what about Lost in Ravenna? And it was a seven minute long shred fest and uh, <laughs> mailed it to Conan and was absolutely convinced uh, that we were going to make it. They'd never seen the likes of this before. <laughs> and three weeks later, got the tape back. Mm. They like they hated it so much they didn't even want to keep the VHS tape. So it's nice of them to send it back. Yeah, I still have that video. With uh, I'd like to show you guys uh, sometime. It'll become the new opener to this podcast. Well, we're gonna use it for the countdown. We're gonna do a seven-minute-long countdown on Sunday morning. Nice. So, well, that's it. Uh, thank you, Pastor Chad. Thank you, Pastor Mark. If you would like to submit a question to the Atrium Podcast, you can email podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or you can text your question to 440-HOPE-222. We appreciate you watching. Send Pastor Mark a, a birthday email. Oh, He's 56 years old. Uh, 19, Mozart, 1978, his favorite movie, Superman. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. All right, thanks for watching. Have a great week.